It's new Comics Day, Wednesday, July 8th, 2015, and you're listening to God and Comics. We got our superpowers through baptism. On today's show, how to get started reading comics. Getting into comics can be a little daunting with characters that have almost 80 years of backstory, multiple universes, and rearranged timelines. Where does someone even start? Not everyone is even going to be interested in reading about superheroes, but these days, you don't have to. Whether you're someone who read comics as a kid and stopped, or someone who has never held a comic book before in your life, we'll give you some tips that will help you find your way in in no time. Plus, our recommendation, this or that, and a whole lot more. I'm Father Jonathan Michikin. I am here at Church of the Holy Comforter in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. On the line with me today is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm in Fredericksburg, Virginia, at Church of the Messiah. And uh, also on the line today is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I'm in Cooperstown, New York, at Christ's Episcopal Church. Father Kyle, you've got the recommendation this week, so uh, go ahead and take it away. My recommendation this week is The Justice League of America, number one, by Brian Hitch. It's written and drawn by Brian Hitch. Um, I think this is a very appropriate recommendation on the day that we're talking about how to get back into comics. Brian Hitch just launched this in the new order of things in the DC Universe, and his intention is to kind of have it be a continuity-less version of the Justice League. It takes the characters that were introduced as the Justice League at the very beginning of the New 52. It takes that version of the Justice League and attempts to tell some stories that perhaps occurred during the time of the New 52, but which were never uh, reported or never issued as issues. The book itself has a wonderfully movie-esque feel to it. It's very cinematic. uh, I think I've read some descriptions of it that called it a widescreen version of the Justice League. Honestly, I think if this were to be the Justice League movie that that they're looking to put out, this would be a superb Justice League movie. Um, Brian Hitch has such a love of the Justice League that goes back into the 70s and 80s, and he's trying to recapture uh, some of the magic that existed during that time. In particular, he's focusing on the characters as individuals so that they're not all just sitting up in the watchtower waiting for some massive calamity to happen that they can then all run and address. But rather, he focuses them on their on them in their individual lives and then has a great threat that pulls them all together. So you get to see them as individuals and then you get to see them as a collective. This first issue was a extra large issue. It ran for $5.99, which... I heard some people complaining about, but it was worth it. It's the first part of an ongoing story. There's some great stuff happening. There's a Kryptonian threat that's being introduced, and I won't say too much about it other than pick it up and read and discover who this Kryptonian threat is who has uh, existed for a long time in Superman's history, but we haven't really ever seen it. Now, this is JLA, right? Right. And... There's also a the the main Justice League book is still ongoing with Jeff Johns writing it. Right. I, I've never quite had it clear in my head what the difference is between JLA or I, I assume JLA is Justice League of America, right? 
Yes, JLA is Justice League of America, and then JL is the Justice League. Uh, really, at this point in time, there's no difference between them. There was a difference between them in the New 52. They were two different teams. Now that the New 52 has ended, the Justice League is the same team which has sort of changed during the course of the New 52, and they're now, uh, they're now in some nebulous non-continuity state also, but it's kind of moved a little bit further along. JLA is kind of filling in some of the backstories, it seems, um, of what happened with them along the way. Because Jeff Johns, when he wrote Justice League during the New 52, sort of sped up a whole bunch of events, if that makes sense. Who makes up the Justice League these days? Uh, last, I, I had to quit reading it a while ago for financial reasons, but, uh, but last I read, it was down to Batman, Wonder Woman, Lex Luthor, surprisingly, who had kind of become a good guy in the wake of the Forever Evil event. Shazam, Cyborg, who else? Black Manta had become a member. Black um, Manta? You might remember him. <laughs> is, yes. is he a bad guy, too? He's like an Aquaman. He bad was guy. a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's like an Aquaman, but he's a bad guy. But he had, uh, yeah, he had kind of come in there. And I think um, Captain Cold had become a member of the Justice Captain League Cold, as well. Captain Cold, another villain. Yeah, very interesting that they're, yeah, they're, they're making the villains good guys. So they dropped Aquaman for his arch nemesis. That hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Aquaman just gets no respect. No matter where he goes, no matter what he does, he gets no respect. Unless you're a fish. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Father Kyle, for that recommendation. And that brings us to our main discussion today. How do you get into comics? How do you get into reading them? If you've never read them before, or if uh, maybe you read them as a kid, but you haven't read them since then, uh, it can be difficult. I identified a few of the problems, and I thought maybe we could talk through how you get around some of those problems so that you can find your way back in. But let me ask you guys first, have either of you ever had a break? I know all three of us read comics as kids. Uh, but have ever either of you ever taken a break from reading comics for a while? I've been collecting comics for 36 years now, and I uh, I took a one-year break in 2001. I thought it was getting too expensive, and I had other things that I was wanting to spend money on at the time, and um, so I dropped every single book that I was reading and just walked away from it. And uh, And then about a year later or so, I came back to it because I was going into Borders bookstores and looking in the graphic novels section and then just realizing how much I loved it and remembering what a uh, thing it was for me and how stupid I was to quit it. So uh, <laughs> so I had to go back and make up a year's worth of, of reading, which took some time and some smart shopping to get back all the stuff that I had been missing. <laughs> I, I took an even longer break. Um, I read comics from when I was very young, from before I could buy them myself, my, my brother would read them to, to, to me. When, when I got into college, I, I think it was somewhere around college that I sort of lost track 
I was buying a lot of series and I, I, I found it difficult to keep on top of and I kind of gradually fell off. You know, I, I, I had a lot of schoolwork and reading and I had more adult expenses. You know, I had a cell phone and a car and, and you know, school supplies and things like that. And I just couldn't keep on top of it financially anymore. And so um, there was like a five or six year period there where uh, I, it wasn't as if I was not reading comics, but I was like, I would I would read like a graphic novel once in a while. And it, it tended to be like kind of self-contained graphic novels, a lot of kind of underground stuff. And, um, you know, or I, I'd go back and, you know, I'd buy like a collection of a graphic novel of old romance comics by Jack Kirby or something like that. You know, I, I wasn't really you know, following any series in a consistent way. It wasn't until really like a five or six years later that I, I, I gradually got back into it again. And um, I didn't have a lot of money. I started by s sort of going back and reading comics that I read like years ago. And that sort of reignited the fire. It, it took a while. And a lot of the series that I had been following, you know, I had no idea how to get back into. Like Spider-Man was like coming out like every two weeks for like a few years. And so there was like, there was like hundreds of issues and the, the story had gotten so convoluted that, you know, I had no idea what was going on. And I found a lot of the comics were like that. It was really helpful to me how I started following series was with the New 52. In the New 52, DC kind of rebooted their whole line. You know, all their books were kind of starting over again at episode one. You know, most of the comics, it was like, uh, you know, a brand new direction. And it was a great place to jump on. So, you know, I picked up Aquaman. And it was real easy. It was, it was like a new comic. Like, it had just come out. I I, uh, I think I probably have the longest span of break uh, amongst us. I probably have at least uh, 17 or 18 years uh, where, where I had stopped. Um, I, I stopped uh, somewhere around the time I was maybe 14 in collecting and uh, didn't really, having done it pretty consistently as a kid, uh, from probably about age five or six was when I, I started reading comics, like right when I first started reading. And uh, uh, stopped when I was 14 and didn't really pick it up again until my, my 30s. You know, in the meantime, I still loved the superheroes that I had grown up with, and they were still kind of a part of my world. And of course, you had the boom of the movies and cartoon shows, some of the things we've talked about in other episodes. So I was able to keep track of those heroes and events that way, but not in the way that you do on the ground level when you're reading a comic from week to week. So when I decided to get back into it, it was pretty daunting to figure out. Actually, I have to thank Father Kyle because he helped me uh, uh, figure some of this out. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he, uh, he took me under his wing, as, as it were, uh, and explained a lot of these things to me. He had pointed me, I, I can't remember 
Father Kyle, if you were the one who pointed me to the new 52 or if I found that somewhere else, but I had the same experience. The new 52 happened around 2011, and uh, it made it that much easier to jump back in for that reason because you weren't having to go back. You know, I mean, some of the some of those comics were up into the six and seven and eight hundreds um, in terms of issue numbers, and now all you had to do was go back to you know number one. I can totally identify with with the folks, and I know there are a number of them who listen to this program who uh, read comics as a kid, but have no idea uh, how to how to jump back into it. So I, I see three major problems in jumping back in, or, or in jumping in for the first time. And uh, you guys can identify some others uh, if, you, if you think of them, but uh, I, I wanted to just maybe look at these one at a time. And the first one is that problem of too much backstory. It's, it's like, you know, how long have these soap operas, Days of Our Lives, and As the World Turns, and those <laughs> things been on? They've been on since, what, the 60s or 70s, or, you know, in some cases? 50s, even. Yeah. Some of them have the same actors that they had 30, 40 years ago <laughs> still on them, too. And you've got this sort of daily continuity. There's just no way you can jump back in uh, easily. And this is part of the problem with comics, is because it's been so long... You know, there's so many things that have happened. How do you know where you're going to be able to find a story that you can sink your teeth into and, and enjoy? Somebody I, I heard say once, uh, it was maybe it was um, Denny O'Neill or somebody like that. It was one of those the guys from the, that era. But I heard them in an interview say, you know, when you're writing a comic book, you have to assume that every comic you write is somebody's first comic. And when I was a kid, I don't know about you guys, but um, when I first started reading comics when I was a real little kid, I didn't care about continuity. I would buy, you know, because I was interested because these characters were cool, right? So if I was seven years old and I saw on the, on the stand, um, you know, an issue of Batman and it was part three of four and I didn't have one or two and I probably wouldn't buy four, I'd still buy it. Because I wanted to look oh, at these, sure. I wanted to look at these cool, you know, drawings. Um, but now that I'm older, that that just doesn't work for me any, anymore. You know, I I wanted to have continuity the way that the other kinds of stories that I take in from television and film and novels and so forth have have some pull and continuity to them. So, what would you guys say if if somebody wants to come in but they're they're kind of not sure where to start? Where would you point them? I think that one of the great places now to start is the fact that you have things like the New 52, which gives you a starting point. And the New 52, while that has kind of been brought to an end in some ways and a new DC universe has come out of the whole convergence um, dilemma that occurred a few months ago, I still think you can start with the New 52 and read through and find some continuity that exists into some of the new stuff, especially on the major characters like Superman and Batman and I would assume Wonder Woman and, and the Lantern comics and um, things of that nature. So I think that's a good place to start. Marvel's looking to do the same thing um, this fall. They are uh, in the midst of their Secret Wars event, and in September, I believe it is, they're looking to start 
everything over at issue number one and move forward. All new storylines and the characters have changed. Um, so if you're looking to get into comics now and you want to get into some Marvel characters, uh, it might not hurt to jump on um, in the coming months that way. And, and Marvel has been, um, in the last few years, has been doing something different anyway because they've been continuously rebooting their, their books in terms of, you know, like yeah. Mark Wade wrote, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 issues, and then all of a sudden there was a new number one, and it was still the exact same creative team uh, of him writing yeah. Daredevil. Um, and uh, they, they did that with Captain Marvel. They did it with a, a whole lot of books. They haven't been real transparent about why they're doing it. It's really frustrating if you're somebody who's been collecting because how do you figure out, you know, which number three that you need? Uh, if there are three number threes by the same creative team, how do you know which one? So I find that really frustrating. But I think, and I could be totally wrong because, again, they, they haven't said why they do it that way now. But I think what they're actually trying to do is to create something that looks a little bit more like television seasons or like, you know, yes. uh, where it's episodic. So, you know, every time they finish some sort of major story, they want to start again from scratch no matter, no matter what. Point being, there are a lot of number ones that are floating around. And if you see something um, and you're thinking, you know, I'd love to read... Uh, I'd love to read Thor, or I'd love to read, uh, you know, uh, The Avengers, or whatever it is that you've, you've enjoyed in the movies, um, but you go to the store and they're on issue 27 or something, and you're like, well, I don't want to jump in on issue 27. Just wait, because it'll probably flip around to issue one uh, in a relatively short period of time. They would have these kind of major transitions back in, you know, back in our day. You know, back in the older days, they would have these kind of major transitions, too. And it's interesting if you if you go and you look back like um, at, at a series just before a major uh, new creative direction was taken, like uh, Daredevil right before Frank Miller started doing it or Thor just before Walt Simonson did it. And you look at the issue right before and oftentimes it seems like a totally different series. I mean, today it would be a reboot, you know, but um, they just kept on going. So you got like Spider-Man 450, you know, and, and I, I think it makes sense to sort of mark those major new directions with kind of rebooting um, and, and starting again. But one of the other things that's really helpful about being a comic fan today is the Internet. There's innumerable comic book websites devoted to specific characters. And uh, oftentimes when I uh, am, am reading a series and I'm sort of lost in the backstory, you know, I'll hop online and do a little research and find out, well, what happened previously. And it's, it's usually pretty easy to be able to find that out. Or if I'm looking for a place to sort of start, um, you know, uh, there, there's enough articles or, or, or websites online saying the the best Daredevil stories ever told, you know, and you type that up and somebody made their personal top 50 and you can kind of go and track down the trade paperback or whatever. Whereas 
in the past, you just were kind of going in cold. There wasn't a whole lot of, uh, I mean, there may have been fanzines or, or, or whatever, but those costed money just as much as the comic books did. Father Matt, you point to two other things that I think are are, are helpful for, for people trying to figure out uh, what they should take a look at. One, which I, I think is also a product of our era, is the wide availability of trade paperbacks. Yes. Um, so when we were kids, I mean, it's not like these things didn't exist, but by and large, especially if you weren't going to a comic shop, you know, most of the comics that I bought as a kid, I bought off of the rack at the bookstore um, or at the supermarket. And so I never really saw trade paperbacks. Uh, but for those who don't know what that is, so what happens is, generally speaking, um, you get arcs in comics, particularly in the big superhero comics, that last about five or six issues. And uh, every time they do that, they'll bind it up into one book that's called a trade paperback, and you might get several volumes of that that are put out for each creative team. So for each each time the series gets a new writer and, and artist, you'll start to get new volumes. And so that's helpful. If you know, okay, well, I want to read... Uh, I only want to read Batgirl when Gail Simone wrote it. I don't want to read, you know, that. that's where I want to start. Well, then you go back to, you know, you can go to Amazon or wherever you want to go uh, and look for Volume 1, Batgirl, Gail Simone. And now you've got a starting place, and you go, okay, I know there are five volumes. I can work through it that way, and I don't necessarily have to track down each individual issue of this comic to get the whole story. I can just uh, read the trades. And sometimes when there's a lot of trades, you'll get an even bigger thing called an omnibus, which, um, which will put a, a, a several trades together at once. Um, but the other thing which I think is helpful and which I never really thought about this much, because, again, you know, when I was a kid, it was just, well, Batman looks cool, so I'm going to read Batman. You know, the X-Men have cool powers, so I'm going to read the X-Men. I never really thought very much about who's writing or who's drawing this. I just kind of thought about the characters. But when you're, when you're looking at comics today, uh, if you're going to read a superhero book, it helps if you read a, a book where you've got a, a superhero character that you find compelling in some way. You just think they, they have cool powers or the character is really interesting to you from the movie. So you may start with that. You may say, well, I want to read, um, you know, I want to read Superman because I really liked uh, watching uh, Man of Steel because something is clearly wrong with me. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, or maybe you, maybe you found the old Christopher Reeve Superman movies and saw how Superman is supposed to be. And uh, <laughs> you want to read Superman. That's fine. But what you discover when you get into it is there are some creative teams that are better than others. And so it's perfectly fine to do, you know, like Father Kyle has been collecting Batman his whole life. And, you know, regardless of the creative team, that's certainly a way you can do it, but you don't have to feel beholden to that. You can, you can find, you know, okay, what are, like as Father Matt said, okay, what are the great Daredevil stories? Oh, Frank Miller wrote a great Daredevil story. You get it, you read it, you're like, wow, this is really great. And then you can go and look at what Frank Miller wrote with other characters. And you don't have to feel beholden, you know, you can follow the creators around just as much as you follow the characters. I find that to be 
just as meaningful sometimes as if I was just, you know, following a character for arc after arc after arc. Yeah, I, I definitely find that to be the case. And the thing about that is, is a great comic book writer can take a character that you may not have ever been interested in and really draw you in. For instance, you know, Grant Morrison, a great comic book writer, he took B-level characters. He took like a Animal Man, who before um, Grant Morrison got a hold of him was sort of one of the more forgettable DC characters. And... Um, you know, I probably wouldn't uh, have sought out Animal Man before Grant Morrison write, wrote it. But because you identify with that particular writer, you end up, you know, following them onto these other books. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, one of the other things, too, is that, you know, there might be some people out there who are interested in not necessarily in the modern day version of the character, but in terms of reading some of the stories that have influenced some of the movies because nowadays you know a lot of people are being introduced via the movies and they see certain storylines or threads and um, wonder where that comes about in the comic books and i think both marvel and dc and um I, image comics is doing this a little bit now too but and dark horse um are taking some of their older stories and putting them in collected versions and that I think in particular with DC Comics, you know, growing up with Batman, I had a giant-sized Batman comic that I treasured because it had, and I still have it today, um, it had four stories from the 1940s, and that was the only scratchings of the 1940s Batman that I could get. But nowadays they have, you know, like the Batman Chronicles where they're collecting every single Batman comic in chronological order. Mm -hmm. They've done the same thing with Superman. Uh, Marvel has done a great series, which DC ended up copying in a way. Um, they did a great series called Essentials, Marvel Essentials, which were black and white reprints of everything from number one in the Stan Lee era uh, mm -hmm. on down through time. And DC has ended up doing something very similar called Showcase Presents. And they've taken some of their Silver Age stories and printed black and white versions of them. But these are great places to start. If you've got an interest in the history of the character, you don't have to go out and pay $25, $30 for one of these issues in the 60s just so that you could read it. But you could go out and you know pay $20 and get a graphic. A novel that contains all of these things if you're willing to put up with black and white reprints. Well, and, and herein uh, lies a second problem. Where and how do you find good comics, you know? Uh, somebody says, well, I'd like to start reading comics, but I don't even know, you know, because you can't just, like, go into um, the supermarket and buy them anymore. Um, although, I don't know, maybe Archie's still up there somewhere next to next to Cosmo in some in some off the <laughs> off the beaten trail yeah. uh, supermarket. He is even zombie Archie is. Is that right? That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um comic book stores for people who who aren't already connected into comic books. Comic book stores can be very daunting places to walk into. You, you know, things are, are organized in a way that's you're not familiar with. And uh, sometimes, not always, but sometimes, 
the uh, proprietors or staff can be a little bit off-putting, shall we say, uh, in their in their attitude towards new people. Um, so how do you how do you find how do you find this stuff? Where do you go? Well, I think Father Matt pointed to the helpfulness of the internet, and I do know there's Comic Shop Locator on DC and Marvel's websites, both of theirs. So if you're interested in finding a comic shop, that's one way you can at least track down the physical location of it. And then I think you could, uh, you just plug your address in and they'll tell you all the ones around you. Um, it's actually what I did to find the ones down here in Fredericksburg when I moved, but then you can test them out. You go in and you see the setup and you talk to the people and you find the one that ultimately you like and gives you the best service mm-hmm. see I, I am at the disadvantage of living in an area where i i am nowhere close to a comic book store i live in cooperstown and there's not a comic store in town it's a small town surrounded by small towns kind of a rural area i mean the closest comic stores are like a half an hour 40 minutes away and you know with a busy schedule it's not easy to pop over you know for 40 minute drive out to the to the comic store so i i read a lot of my comic books either as trade paperbacks like we've already discussed or as um as kind of digital comics there's a number of ways in which you could uh, get comics digitally and read them on your computer or your ipad or 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 whatever it is amazon has that option now and uh, they also uh, has the advantage of being more affordable in a lot of ways sometimes the the digital comic is cheaper than the uh the physical comic you know there, there are sites where where you could subscribe to different books and they'll put your your comics in folders like uh you know, one of them is comicsology that I use sometimes. Technology has sort of broadened the way we read comics. I, I found this initially kind of difficult to get into reading a comic book on my computer because it's just not the same. You know, when I've introduced this to other people, they they you know they have a hard time getting into it because oh, I don't like scrolling through. But now, um, after a while, it just you know, the the format of it, digital, kind of fades into the background as I become absorbed in the the art and the story. And um, and in some ways, I I prefer it because it's not, you know, stacks of uh, comic books scattered all around my room, or you know, I have you know, in the cloud or on my computer. Um, it makes it sort of easier to manage. Father Kyle, you had uh, the Marvel Unlimited service for a while, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, Marvel, through their website, has a subscription service where you can either pay monthly or yearly, or I think there's even a lifetime uh, version of it. But uh, you pay a set fee, and then you have access to um, just a catalog of Marvel comics um, mm-hmm. from when they were timely comics all the way through the Stan Lee era into modern day uh, Marvel. I would probably say they're generally about two months behind, two or three months behind, but they release new comics on a weekly basis. So, you know, if you're patient and you're not in in a rush to read it when it comes out, but you know you will eventually be able to read it, it's still a good way uh, to be able to read some newer things. Yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. I'm surprised DC hasn't done something similar yet. 
Um, but, Me uh, too. Yeah. That's been something I've been very perplexed about. And I keep thinking I would gladly pay being a huge Batman fan. I, my loyalties in general tend to be a little bit more towards DC. So I would clearly pay for that. Yeah. Who knows? You know, another avenue for people, if you want to be looking at physical books, you're not as interested in the digital comics, but you also want to be able to buy food occasionally and gas for your car and other things like and that. And feed your children. Feed your children. One of the really great ways that I have caught up with these stories uh, and expanded my reading has been through the local library. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not an option for everybody. Not everybody's library necessarily has a good selection of graphic novels and trade paperbacks, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that the library system here in uh, Delaware County, Pennsylvania, uh, shout out to Delaware County. <laughs> Delco. Um, Maybe you Delco. shouldn't tell everybody that. They'll, they'll all take up your comics. No, I, I don't mind, you know what, because, I mean, they, they're already very popular. I often, with stuff that comes out new, there's often holds and waits for it. But not every branch here has a great selection, but uh, a, a couple of them have really fantastic selections. I just did this earlier this week. Um, people have been telling me about the, the trade of the Charles Soule run of She-Hulk that just came out. I've never read She-Hulk before. So I, I wanted to pick that up, and I, I heard that it was at the, the library. So I go in to pick up this one book, and I left with, I think I had 25 when I left. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I'm so jealous. Oh. Our, our, our library has nothing as far as graphic novels goes. When I first moved into town, I walked down to the library, and, and I asked the lady at the desk, I said, do you have a graphic novel section? And she like looked at me sort of disapprovingly and said, you might want to try it in the juvenile section. <laughs> and, and, you know, they had nothing. I mean, nothing. Wherever you happen to be listening from, it's worth at least giving it a, giving a look and seeing whether, uh, whether they have uh, some graphic novels at your, at your local library. And if they don't, Hopefully they don't look at you disapprovingly like they did for Father Matt. But uh, although then again, a lot of people look at Father Matt disapprovingly for a variety of reasons. So who knows what that was about. Um, Were you in your clerical collar when you did that? I was. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely had that experience of being in the library with the clerical collar on and... Uh, and feeling a little sheepish when I walk up to the desk with, like, nothing but comic books in my hands. Yeah, I, I'm looking. Where, where can I find um, the She-Hulk books? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Red So, okay, we've talked about how you can get around getting lost in the backstories. And we've talked about places you might be able to get comic books. But what if... You're somebody who is saying, you know, superheroes are fun and all, but I'm not really sure that's what I want to be reading. Not everyone is necessarily going to want to read superhero books, or are they necessarily going to want to have to read books that connect in with lots of other books, right? Because one of the problems with the superhero books is that they're part of this 
huge universe. So whether you're talking about Marvel's universe or DC's universe, you're talking about a lot of crossover and a lot of, oh, I have to read Justice League to find out what's happening with Superman before I go back to the, you know, other book. And it can be, it can be frustrating. Um, and there are some people that are just, they're going to be interested in other kinds of things. But my feeling is that there is such variety in comics today, and especially when you get outside of the big two, when you get outside of DC and Marvel, um, there's so many different kinds of comics for different folks that really anybody should be able to um, enjoy a comic or find a comic that they enjoy. What do you guys think about that? If you have you talked to people um, who aren't necessarily into uh, the superhero stuff, but might be interested in something else? You know, I haven't talked to a whole lot of people in that capacity. I've had a few people who, based on recommendations we've made here, especially some of the ones Father Matt has made that have been, and you as well, Jonathan, that have um, been a little bit outside of the realm of superheroes who have heard our podcast and kind of said, that sounds interesting. I'd, I'd kind of like to check that out. That's about the extent of folks that I've come across who have, who have been interested in non-superhero comics. So I guess our podcast has kind of helped in that department. Hey, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, you could take a, cl a class if you're an English major or take it as an elective or whatever, uh, where you're reading graphic novels and and th they'll read things like Arch Spielman's, uh, you know, and 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 da Daniel Klaus and, and and authors like that, or Robert Crumb, Will Eisner, kind of these more like underground or like independent artists that have done more literary type works and, and you know, which which tend to go by the graphic novel moniker. When I was in art school, I knew a lot of artists who, who sort of, you know, they they would never buy a Spider-Man book, but they had, you know, a collection of Robert Crumb's comics from the 60s or, or uh, some of this more underground stuff. And uh, it's becoming really mainstream. A, a member of our, of our parish, uh, she went away to college and like majored in sequential art. And, and she's really interested in, in you know, m making these kind of graphic novels. These are great places to start if you're not really a comic book fan. You could go into your local bookstore and look through the graphic novel section. There's usually uh, an area for, like, more independent books, and, and you could pick up some of these graphic novels. And, and it's not like a serial, like uh, Superman or Batman. It's... It's a self-contained storyline. Um, it may have only been published, you know, as a graphic novel rather than being like one of these trade paperbacks. You know, it, it's becoming a more respected uh, medium. So uh, there'll be reviews of, of various graphic novels in the newspaper or in magazines like The New Yorker or, or you know, even Entertainment Weekly and stuff will have uh, reviews of graphic novels. I think it helps to know that if you're looking at, you know, when you're looking at DC and Marvel, you have a whole universe of characters that interact. But in the independent comics world, most of the titles are what they call creator-owned, which uh -huh. means that the individual creators re retain the rights to the characters, and so the world is self-contained for each book. 
So the largest, by far the largest of these quote-unquote ind independent companies uh, is Image Comics. And mm. Image, actually at this point, Image gets about 12% of the market, believe it or not. And any particular Image book you decide to buy, um, let's say you decide you want to read Rat Queens or you want to read Saga um, or one of these stories that Image does, you don't have to buy any other image books. All you have to do is go back to volume one of whatever the thing is you've got, and you've got the whole universe right there. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I often do when, when I'm talking to people and they've never read comics before, or maybe they're a little bit interested but they're not sure, is I'll say, you know, tell me a little bit about what you like when you're looking at other mediums. Tell me what you like to read. Tell me what you like to watch on TV or in, in movies. And as they, as they describe what it is they like, it often will set off a, a lightning bolt in my head. Oh, this is the comic that you ought to read. Um, I just had this the other day with somebody I know who said, oh, I would never, you know, I have no interest in comics. He doesn't even like anything sort of sci-fi. Uh, that, you know, anything that's even a little bit fantasy, you know, is not going to do it for him. And I said, well, what do you like? He said, well, I really like American history. Well, there's actually a, a, a comic right now being put out, I think by Dark Horse, called Rebels, that is following the story of this particular militia somewhere in the New England era, uh, area uh, during the Revolutionary War time, both right before and after. It's going to be, I think, a six-issue arc um, that they'll probably eventually put into a trade. So I turned them on to that. There's all sorts of stuff that's out there. And this is one place where going into your local comic shop, even though it's a little bit daunting sometimes, can be helpful because if you don't have somebody like us to, uh, to ask the question, what should I look at, you know, those guys who work at the comic shop. Now, not all of them. Some of them may just look at you funny. <laughs> but if you go in, you know, but if you go into a store that's any good, usually the people who own and work at those stores are really excited about comics and excited about the idea of somebody else reading them. And so if you say, hey, I'm not sure where to start, but I really like stories that are sort of romantic or stories that are really funny or I really like things about space aliens, or whatever it is that you're into, uh, they can probably help you uh, to find that. Or you can do what uh, everyone really should do, which is simply to listen to God and Comics and uh, go and buy all of our recommendations. <laughs> yes. That's clearly That's the right. <laughs> Well, one, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet and that I think is probably worth mentioning in any discussion of people coming back in or getting into comics for the first time, even though this is the wrong time of year to talk about it, is a yearly event now called Free Comic Book Day. I wonder if you guys have much experience with that or uh, if either of you have any thoughts about that or can describe what it is. Yeah, uh, Free Comic Book Day... So yeah. it's held. It's held at generally then the first weekend in May of every year. The major publishers tend to put out several free comic books that day to sort of stimulate interest. 
Um, so if you go to your local comic shop on free comic book day, they'll have a table out and it'll contain all of the free issues uh, that are available. Generally, they're good leaping on points because that's what their intention is, is to give you a comic that's, um, that's you can easily access and that will kind of lead into the next thing that you might be able to buy. I think free comic book day is good. I, I've been going the last number of years. It generally tends to be pretty well received. I've seen in the past a lot of people coming in at the comic book store that I used to go to in Philadelphia, a lot of people coming in asking questions of the owner about um, characters and where to start. So I think it, in that capacity, it's, it's a pretty good thing. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Oftentimes, uh, in addition to having free comics, they'll, they'll have great sales and things like that. And oftentimes, they'll have displays out. Like, um, it, you know, the Avengers were out. So they had, you know, different trade paperbacks with, uh, with you know, that are uh, collecting classic Avengers stories and, and things like that. And they were all on display, easily accessible. So while you're while you're at the store for free comic book day, um, let's say you find a comic that you'd really like to keep track of and keep up with. Um, there are a few titles that you can get through the mail, but by and large, uh, the way that the best way to do that these days, if you have a comic store that's anywhere near you, uh, you can get a subscription service. Most sure. stores have subscription services, and you get what what they call a pull list. Uh, which is a list of books that they, they go ahead and, and order for you and pull and put aside. So when I walk in, uh, new comics come out every Wednesday, which is why this show comes out on Wednesdays, by the way. Uh, and when I walk in, uh, I have a list that I've given to uh, the store there, and he's already got those pulled and ready for me. And most stores have some kind of extras. You know, they try to, especially if you're in an area where they're, in competition with one another they try to have different sorts of things you get for your subscription so like at my the store where I have my subscriptions uh, I get 10% off everything in that store because I have subscriptions and and depending on if I were to get up to a certain number then my my percentage would go higher of how much I would get off um, so that that's that's a helpful thing um, another thing to keep in mind too, if, if there's a show that you're into or a movie that you're into, it may not be comic book related, but there are oftentimes continuations of those stories that happen in the comics. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had extra seasons that Joss Whedon wrote that came out in comic form. Uh, I know the X-Files did this, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, Doctor Who, Star Trek, Star Wars, all of these things that you may be into from other places, there's a whole other world that you might be able to jump into on the comic side. So that's something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, any, anything yeah. else before we uh, close this topic out that you all would want to say to uh, those who are potentially thinking about dipping their toe into the water of, of uh, reading comics for the first time? Come on in. The water's warm. (laughs) The water's warm because Father Kyle peed in it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You weren't supposed to tell him that. Ah, There's no pee in comic books, Father Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we hope that some of you will um, 
will make the uh, make the journey into getting getting a comic for the first time and maybe uh, maybe you'll find something you really love and if you do please come and tell us about it we'd love to hear from you you can uh, check us out on the website connect with us on Twitter or Facebook as always we would love to hear from you uh, well that brings us to our final segment as always our final segment is this or that this or that this or that Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man? This or that. Spider-Man or Superman? This or that. This or that. This or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Huh? Okay, uh, esteemed colleagues, are you ready for, for this or that? Yes, I am. Good, good. Father Matt, we'll start with you. Iron Man or Iron Fist? Oh, um, Iron Man, for sure. I would love to check out what they've done recently with Iron Fist. I, I, I heard Matt Fraction wrote uh, a series of, of Iron Fist. Uh, but I always found his character to be sort of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Father Kyle, kale or mixed greens? Uh, I'd probably say kale. I, I like the stronger, more pungent greens, so you don't tend to get that when you get mixed greens. That's true. Although mixed greens are good. Father Matt, Harry Potter or Dirty Harry? Dirty Harry. Really? Interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know what? I never really got it. My wife has read the Harry Potter books like, uh, like a dozen times. I, I, I think I started reading the first one back around when it first came out and i just never got into into it i know it seems like blasphemy to a lot of people because it's such a phenomenon but uh i don't know harry potter never really did a lot for me now dirty harry on the other hand that's that's pretty awesome i love i love clint eastwood you know i watch him in anything except for the bridges of madison county that sucks (laughs) What if we what if we went halfway and it was Dirty Harry, but he was using a wand instead of a gun? I think I'd be cool with that. All right, Father Kyle. B. Arthur, or a fifty-seven Chevy? <laughs> Probably say a fifty-seven Chevy. I think that one is beyond my thinking ability, but I'll go with my gut reaction. Really? I'd rather have a 57 a Chevy. A 57 than B. Chevy. Arthur. But B. Arthur is hilarious. Come on. True, True that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and then there's Maud. Anyway. Right. <laughs> where where was the comparison there? Where was the sort of. of uh, the there? classics, okay? That's right. Oh, That's okay. Right. I get it. That's right. Um, Father Matt. Yeah. Yes. Father Matt. Sense or sensibility? Well, uh, (laughs) I've been told I have no sense, but I do have a certain sensibility. So I'm going to have to go with sensibility. Mm. Well answered. (laughs) Now, was the person who told you this working at the library at the time? One of the many people who's told me this <laughs> was working at the library. Father Kyle, romantic comedy 
or romantic horror? I would probably say romantic comedy, but again, it depends on what kind of romantic comedy. I'm not really a big horror person, and I'm not sure what a romantic horror movie is. <laughs> uh, but can you give me an example? Uh, King Kong. King Kong, Twilight. King yeah. Um, King Kong. Oh, yeah. The Bride of Frankenstein. There you go. Very romantic. Well, there you go. I, I could maybe go with those, with those kind of uh, romantic horror movies. Father, uh, Father Matt, chips or fries? Fries. They have a certain sensibility to them. <laughs> Not a sense. And if you're British... Answer is completely backwards. Hmm, that's true. Oh, actually, then well, it would I, be... I, I was assuming you meant like potato chips. Right. Yes, but for our British, for our British listeners, this would be chips or crisps, and you would go crisps, with chips. That's right. Yeah. Yes, chips over crisps. Yeah. Father Kyle, communism or socialism? I would probably say socialism. At least there seems to be some compassion in socialism. Uh, I'm sorry, the correct answer was B. Arthur. <laughs> and I'm not a socialist, by the way. Please, let's be clear about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, anyway, um, I, I, I do plan to edit out that part, so... Um... <laughs> Oh, thank you. You've known everyone, <laughs> Father Kyle, socialist. Um, Father Matt, this one's a little more theological. Mm, okay. The third use of the law or Crystal Pepsi? Hmm. Well, Crystal Pepsi was just rubbish. So, um, yeah, the third use of the law. Father, yeah. Ky Father Kyle, do you have an opinion on that one? I do. Crystal Pepsi, Crystal Pepsi was not rubbish. I enjoyed that, and I do not enjoy the third use of the law. In fact, I don't believe in the third use of the law. So, uh, so that's my strong opinion. So maybe you should explain to us what the third use well, of the law is. Well, I'm just, I'm just reeling here because there are so many things wrong with what Father Kyle just said. I'm not even sure where one would begin. Um <laughs> But if I had to pick a place, it would be Crystal Pepsi being good. <laughs> yeah, that was more offensive to you than my stance on the third use of the law. Well, I cannot help it if you are simply unenlightened about the true nature of what the scriptures tell us on, on this uh, in this case. I mean, that's oh, not no, something I, I don't do think so. St. Paul never said anything along those lines. Well, St. Paul never said anything about a first or second use either. <laughs> the whole thing's kind of made up if you think about it. So, you know what? We so won't what even, is it about? Let's not even explain it. Let's just let people look that stuff up. There you yeah. go. Um, you could enjoy a Crystal Pepsi with John Calvin. That's right. If you're not sure what <laughs> we're talking right. about, go back in the archives and listen to the episode we did on Batman and the Fear of God. We had a whole bunch of stuff on that there. So, there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, finally, finally, Father Matt, Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, 
or Black Widow, the one-time villain on the 66 Batman show, played by Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I remember that particular episode of the Batman television show, but um, Natasha's always been a pretty cool character, so I'm going to have to go with her. That would be the correct answer. Tallulah Bankhead. Oh, she sounded like she was struggling for her last breath on every line of that Batman 66 episode. Probably. Did, 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 yeah. Didn't she die like shortly afterwards, too? Well, um, maybe. I mean, she she was sitting down through most of it. But who can beat Natasha Romanoff? Yeah. Well, you know, and yeah. Tallulah Bankhead, though, was entertaining through that episode in that you could tell that she was pretty drunk. Oh, yeah. She was, she was clearly wasted. Yes. Um, so th there That's is that right. to consider. Um, but I would, all things being equal, I would still probably go with Natasha Romanoff in her various forms. Um, so there we are. Yes. Well, that's going to uh, finish us up for this week on uh, God and Comics. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you would like to hear the show again or, or find some cool extras, you can go to our show page on godandcomics.com. We always post links there to some of the things that we talk about. We would also love it if you would find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash godandcomics, or on Twitter, twitter.com slash godandcomics. There is uh, material going up there all the time, especially on the Facebook page. We have stuff going up there uh, almost every day, so uh, come and, and interact with, with us there. Our theme music, which you are hopefully banging your head to right now, is by Father Paul Wheatley. And uh, just gets more and more fun to listen to every, every episode. Um, so we'll be back with you guys real soon, but until then, I'm Father Jonathan Michigan. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>